Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, here for everyone's favorite day of the week, Stew's Days, as it's uh, it's just uh, just taking over the, uh, the, the the country, this whole <laughs> Stew's Days thing. Everywhere I turn, it's Stew's Days. Something like that, Dave. Yeah, maybe 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 not quite that much, but uh, may, may, maybe one day. Extremely small pockets of the country. Yes, our our, our parents. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. My mom gets pretty riled up about uh, Stew's days. So, uh, mom, hi. Thanks for uh, thanks for all your uh, your your love and care through uh, through my little bout with pneumonia. Now, um, I, I I gotta say this is going to be a particularly exciting exciting Stew's days. Because we we've gone over in in previous episodes for 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 people who watch regularly, but uh, for for people who don't listen regularly, Stu is uh, Stu gets pretty excited about uh, cleaning up the weeds around the yard, making sure his lawn is absolutely pristine in the summer. But it's not just a summer thing. He gets pretty excited about cleaning off the driveway when it snows in the winter, meticulous, you might say. And I'll just take a sip of coffee here. In advance of talking about how excited you get about dollar cost averaging, <laughs> so so those are those are things that really get you going, aren't they? The, yeah, amongst it's it's not a long list. Those are those are on the list, so for sure. I, I, I should mention your wife and kids are somewhere in there too. Uh, yep, yep, they're definitely on the list too. But but nothing gets Stu more excited than than bank earnings, especially <laughs> uh, especially year end bank earnings. Like if you're if if you've been a a dividend portfolio manager for for a hundred years, like Stu, there's nothing that gets you going like Canadian bank earnings, and uh, we we've we're, we're through all of them now, right, Stu? Yeah, well, there's something more exciting though. It's the ex dividend dates when the dividends okay. get clipped. <laughs> when the dividends get clipped, when they the actual the account, re- that's a pretty exciting day. The actual receipt of the dividends, or, or maybe even a dividend increase announcement, which I think we yep. got a couple of this this quarter. So, what 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 did you see in the in the Canadian bank earnings? Because they they. They tell a story about um, about where we are in terms of the Canadian economy. They give sort of a window into a lot of things that are going on around the world. What what, what did you see in the uh, in in the bank earnings this uh, this quarter, and I, I guess now for this fiscal year? Yeah. So, um, well, if, like let's just uh, start with the top of the income statements. So the you know the first part was the net interest revenue, which. Um, some banks were you know had better success than others on that front. Um, you know, so when when interest rates are, are rising, uh, net interest margins often expand. But uh, you know, as you can see with GIC rates and some other things, that you know the funding side of the balance sheet uh, also played a role. So uh, net interest margins expanded uh, at a handful of banks, but maybe not as much as people had hoped for across all the banks. Um, loan growth. Uh, you know, not bad, although it felt uh, a little bit like, you know, seeing the last of, of really strong loan growth with, with uh, maybe the economy starting to slow a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, all in, a net interest income was, uh, you know, I would say okay. Uh, non-interest revenue uh, was a little bit more sluggish just with capital markets and things like this being slow. Um, so the, you know, the revenue environment was pretty much as expected. I didn't, you know, there was not a whole lot of, of surprises other than, uh, you know, just that net interest margin, you know, at some banks more than others, not expanding. Some banks had really strong increases, uh, and those are normally the banks where you have a a really large deposit franchise and, and, and not only a large deposit franchise, but those deposits are used in like day-to-day transactions. So they tend to be pretty sticky and they don't move 
into higher uh, interest rate product because I'm using them all the time, right? Like, yeah, you know, if I got a hundred dollars in my account and I'm getting paid and I'm using it for transactions, I don't go and sit there and say, well, I got to go move that, you know, necessary to higher interest rates because I got to use it. So this kind of big, you know, float that exists inside some banks is is quite uh, quite a benefit when uh, when interest rates rise for those banks. Um, you know, so that was one feature, and then and then the second thing was. Uh, you know, provisions for credit, uh, you know, they were okay, but, you know, kind of still the sense that, uh, you know, that might too be a little bit higher going into next year. So, um, you know, I would say the net net of it was they were, you know, pretty much in line with expectations. The outlooks were, you know, not too far off where people's heads are at that, you know, things are slowing down a little bit. Um, you know, capital ratios uh, were, were pretty good. Um, a couple of banks have put on, you know, their dividend reinvestment plans, just, uh, you know, which they often do uh, going into a bit of a slower period. And then, um, you know, the last point I would make is that, you know, there's, you know, as we, you know, kind of as the, the, the sands of time march on, like already we're starting to look at what 2024 uh, earnings might look like. And, uh, you know, so in Canada, if there's six banks, you know, three of them have done acquisitions and those acquisitions are going to drive earnings growth into 2024. So, um, you know, you're, you're focused on the here and now, but then you're also looking out uh, to what uh, 2024 might bring. And, you know, those acquisitions should bring additional accretion uh, above and beyond what normal bank earnings look like. And, um, you know, so we're focused on that as well. So, so Stu, how do you think about acquisitions when you're, when you're looking at the Canadian banks uh, and, 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 and banks in general, the, the, the idea of why would you so you say three of the six have a, have an acquisition that they're the, that they've announced recently or they'll be in the midst of over the next twelve months? What what does that say about the state of the industry? Why do you think this is happening? Is is there any message that we can take away um, from from the fact that these uh, transactions are happening? And then how do you think about a, a, a transaction from an investment perspective as an investment manager? Yeah, so. Um... There's there's also there's all sorts of acquisitions and you know I think right off the bat there's there's you know two things to consider you know banks are are big generators of cash flow you know their earnings come in they pay half of it back to us in dividends they keep the other half they can then make all sorts of decisions around how fast they grow loans if they slow down loan growth then that generates incremental capital and um, you know so when you go to do an acquisition you can either use the resources that exist on your balance sheet uh, and normally those acquisitions can be quite accretive or you can issue your shares to buy something and uh, those often are not quite as accretive so the acquisitions that we have right now uh, by and large were funded uh, through the capital that's been generated in the last couple of years so capital ratios went higher banks were then able to use that money that was at their disposal uh, to do quite accretive transactions. And, um, you know, it, those types of transactions are, are beneficial for a number of reasons. The first is uh, they generate, you know, earnings growth in a normal environment, but also in a slowdown, they generate what we call pre-tax, pre-provision earnings, which help pay for any credit losses that might come your way. So um, when we see a bank use their balance sheet to both strategically grow their business and add additional cash flow that could be used for any types of provisions that are necessary, you know, those are pretty good acquisitions. Um, 
when they have to use their shares to buy something, it gets a little bit more complicated because what you're looking for there is, does the business they're acquiring grow as fast as their existing business? Because you're doing everything on a, on a per share basis. So, you know, if I have one business, uh, I have a hundred shares outstanding in this business and it grows at 10% and I'm going to issue 10 shares for a business that might be accretive today, but it doesn't grow that fast longer term. I have to offset those two to say, uh, well, am I going to be better five, 10 years down the road if you do this? And, and that's a bit of a different discussion. But in each of these cases, uh, you know, the three banks that are doing acquisitions, they're both strategically beneficial and financially beneficial, which is always a positive. And 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 so for as we look out at the at, at, at what um, what this speaks to with respect to the economy in terms of what you're seeing from bank earnings, is there anything we can call from from either the earnings or these acquisitions uh, that suggest or, or give us sort of a line of sight on where you think we're headed with the uh, with the Canadian economy in particular? But these are global franchises, so so really globally as well. Yeah, like they they're pretty confirmatory that, you know, we're heading into some type of a slowdown, yeah. um, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, it'll be a full blown recession, a bit of a softer landing. It's hard to say right now, um, you know, a lot of the tightening that gets loaded into uh, the system, which makes loans more expensive, eventually finds its way into loan growth. Loan growth starts to slow. Uh, you know, that's one of the main features of economic growth. So. You know, we know that the economy is slowing when we when we look into these results and we know that the banks are prepared for that. Um, so, you know, it doesn't necessarily indicate to us that the slowdown is going to be more or less, but it does indicate that that in all likelihood, the economy is going to slow quite meaningfully into next year. And and then the uh, the, the other thing I wanted to uh, to take out of your earlier comments uh, about the earnings was the. So, somewhat of a surprise that that net interest margins weren't quite as strong as you might have expected, given where interest rates have moved and and where we are in the economic cycle. Is 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 that a sign of of intense competitive pressures, or is it, or is it something else? Are these just um just just decisions banks are making around around how they're deploying their capital, how they're using their capital within their business? Uh, it's a bit of everything. Um, you know, banks. Banks have uh, what they call liquidity coverage ratios, so yep. you know they have to hold so much liquidity, um, and uh, you know the expense of that has gone up a little bit. Just as you know, we've talked about uh, you know shorter-term interest rates being more interesting from a purchase yes. standpoint. Uh, that means that someone has to pay more for it, and you know banks are in that line. Um, it's a little bit of the dynamics around you know, so a bank has uh, so many dollars of deposits and so many dollars of loans. If they don't have uh, what they call a one-to-one -one ratio, then those extra deposits go into securities. And um, so if you have some extra money as security yields have risen, you've been able to benefit from that. If you're closer to one-to-one -one and you have to pay a little bit more for your deposits, then it's a little bit more painful. So it's a, it's kind of bank by bank. Um, but, uh, you know, in the context of that, like, you know, uh, the deposit uh, cost, angle is a little bit more competitive and uh, it takes sometimes a little bit of time for loans to reprice. Um, so if you're, if your deposits, if you're, if you're one-to-one -one and your loans haven't fully repriced yet, you've had to pay more for deposits, then your net interest margins don't expand at the same pace. If you're not one-to-one -one and you've been able to put more money into securities, they may uh, have expanded a little bit more meaningfully. It's, 
it's very bank by bank. Uh, it, it has some dependence on how you were positioned going into all of this. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's bank by bank. So, so I, I know we have to be careful on on this particular podcast because of uh, of of uh, the regu- of, of regulation uh, in terms of how specific we get around any kind of recommendation. So, I'm not going to ask you uh, for a recommendation even on, say, Canadian banks. But when you, when you look at banking in general around the world, given where interest rates are, um, where the economy are, are 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 banks looking like an attractive long term investment right now? Or do they look expensive relative to 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 normal valuations, given where we're going? Um, and and then is it is it unfair to even categorize the banks? As you said before, uh, with 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 the previous question, it's it's is it more bank to bank where you're making those decisions? Uh, well, generally speaking, it's an attractive longer term industry. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and the reason for that is because there is a, a spread available. And there are, you know, and as you lend money and you have wealth management, there's ancillary business to be done. So it is a good, it is a good long-term business. Um, the next 12 months, uh, you know, as, as interest rates peak in all likelihood, uh, there'll be dynamics at play. Some of the banks that have benefited from rising interest rates, that benefit will start to mature. Some of the banks that maybe have been penalized by having to pay higher for deposit costs now, that headwind might start to ebb. So, you know, it is always bank to bank, but on the intermediate term, uh, you know, because of that very first dynamic, which is that banks don't pay out 100% of their dividends. So, you know, they have excess capital, which they can put to work in loan growth. During a period of recession, they may have to set aside a little bit more uh, for provisions for credit. But, um, you know, having a, a capital generative business over the long haul is, uh, you know, something that aligns uh, quite nicely with long-term investment. And 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 this is uh, you know bank banks are something that uh, be, because of the attractiveness of the dividend something that you've um, you've generally held quite a bit over the years in in portfolios you've managed um, and and as you say it continues in in your view to be a, a pretty attractive business long term. Yeah, like we've owned banks through all sorts of different environments, and um, you know the risk management that takes place inside banks is is uh, is unbelievably significant. Uh, you know, the number of levers that they have to pull uh, to get through, uh, you know, all sorts of things that um, that come to mind. You know, we've talked, uh, you know, about business in general being agile and, uh, you know, a bank's balance sheet uh, is is uh, is quite agile over time. So, you know, we feel we feel pretty good about the sector um, as time progresses and, and they've proven it over time. Uh, you know, they've they've dealt with all sorts of things. Uh, in a fairly productive manner. Well, wow, you have um, once again bowled us over with your level of excitement around this. I, I knew this was going to be your uh, your favorite topic. So pre-Christmas, I thought it would be a, a nice gift <laughs> to do a uh, to to give you this as as your podcast for for December. Well, thanks very much. That's a, that's a, a December to remember. Oh, wow! <laughs> there we go. So Stu's days and a December to remember. Stu Kedwell, Canada's foremost expert on bank stocks and dividends. Stu, thanks very much. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Great. Thanks very much, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.